Hashtag murder may contain explicit and disturbing material and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Hashtag Murder! Woo! I'm Scar. I'm Alex. And we are millennials who love murder. And cults. And burglaries. Heinous crimes. <laughs> yeah. All heinous crimes. How are you, Alex? Traffic is a bitch getting over here <laughs> at uh, five in the afternoon. I don't know why I keep doing this to myself. It really is. It's not good. And what is today? It's Friday. Today's Friday. It's Friday because I'm off tomorrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is a yay. I guess since this won't be released before tomorrow, because you know we're like a couple weeks out. Uh, tomorrow we're doing a like girls' day for uh, sugar that I work with because you know she's battling breast cancer. Yeah. I will send. I will share the GoFundMe on the Instagram. Uh, but she has to have a double mastectomy, I think yeah. is what it's called. Yeah. So we're surprising her tomorrow because she's been down. And my you, girl. What my, are you going to do? My girl loves her some strawberry mimosas from Cracker Barrel. <laughs> oh, shit. Because don't we all love mimosas? <laughs> but specifically those ones. From Cracker so Barrel. From Cracker Barrel. So we're going to take her there. Um, and then we're going to take her to Target. Okay. Um, the Home Goods store. Yes. Probably TJ Maxx. Wherever she wants to go. Okay. She she gets to tell us where she wants to go, and we're going to take her. Yeah, it is a sugar-filled day. Literally. <laughs> Maybe we'll go to Crumble. Okay. Uh, oh, well, that's sweet. That's mm-hmm. fun. Who yeah. else going? Uh, you know Mallory from work? No. A.K. Oh, okay. Well, we also call her Hubcap because she falls off and gets lost every now and then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then uh, LT from work as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. It'll be a little girl's day. Well, that'll be fun. And then maybe Chad can take a nap because Sugar won't be getting on his nerves. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, speaking of girl's day. So I've had two girl's days since I've last seen you. Y'all, Scarlett ditched plans with me to record for you lovely people to have girl's day with Harley. Uh, well, here's the thing. I forgot about it because the last one we went to was on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday was Thursday and it was at the same place. You guys just love you some... Whatever you, wherever you went. <laughs> it's at the Oyster. The Oyster. <laughs> it's at the Oyster Candle Company. Shout out to them uh, in Mount Pleasant. And they always do like these fun little events. And so Saturday was a tea party. Oh. Um. And here's the thing. And if y'all don't know this, your girl doesn't dress up. Oh, did you have to dress up? Or did you not dress up and you showed up and it was dress up? <laughs> I showed up in my jeans and my chacos. And a black uh, t-shirt. Did Harley not warn you about dress up? She did not. And she was in a dress. I was the only person... Well, no. Me and Gaylene were the only two there in jeans. And I was the only one in black. Oh, um, thank you. Out of about 50... 50- thank you, Harley. <laughs> out of about 50 people. Uh, but that's fine. Whatever. Um, but we did one. We did one. Shit. We did one. <laughs> we did win... Um, a raffle prize. Why do you guys a... always win stuff? <laughs> it's it's me and Gaylene. I don't know. It's a thing. Um, but we want a candle and some earrings. The earrings I can't wear because I have gauges. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Harley kept the candle, so Harley kept all... <laughs> Ke- Harley kept all the gifts. Harley kept all the gifts. Per usual. <laughs> uh, but that's fine. But the thing we went to yesterday, we got permanent jewelry. Oh. Yeah, 
so it's literally on there forever. Oh, it looks like paper clips. I know. Isn't it cool? It's cool. I can't remember the name of the chick um, who was there doing it. I think her name was Molly. I'm sorry, Molly, if that's not your name. Uh, but I think that was her name. Um, but yeah, it's on there forever until I have to get an MRI and cut it off. But yeah. that's okay, because she said that she could put a clasp on it for me. That's very nice. I know. Shout out to you, hopefully Molly. Yeah, I think it was Molly. Holly? Mar- I don't know. Margaret? It Mary. Was- <laughs> Teresa? No. <laughs> Tammy? Oh, there's no way to know. So that's uh, that was our girl trip escapades. So yeah, nice. That While you were doing said, that, um, I ate a half a pint of ice cream so that I could prepare you guys for the horrible, horrible. Like this is the the worst. Like picture the worst ex girlfriend you could ever have. She is ten times that. Okay, this one's bonkers. So I didn't know anything about it. And then you sent me the show notes and I was like, okay, now I have to find a documentary about this because I am like, I, I was Shook horrified. It. Shook it. I was horrified. It's, it sounds like a horror movie. That's how bad she is. It does. Actually, all the ones that I've picked lately sound like horror movies. They because do. Because they're, they're crazy. <laughs> and I just, I wasn't expecting it uh, once again to end that way. Mm-hmm. And it did. And you know what? Here we go. Let's fucking do it. But we're coming at you live. Well, we're not live from Australia, but we're going down under. We're going down under, mate. We're getting us a blooming onion. <laughs> Crikey. Crikey. Shrimp on the bobby. That's all. I did work at Outback for six months, so. Six months. Why mm-hmm. didn't it work out? Um. Well, I was also working at Starbucks at the same time. Uh, so that was not fun because I would okay. work like 5 a.m. in the morning. 5 a.m. Yeah. to about 2-ish at Starboo. Okay. And then I would eat something and then go work at Outback for to close. That's too much. Wake up and do it again. That's too much working. It was very too much. So I actually, uh, whenever I worked at the post office, I worked the night shift at the post office from like 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. I didn't know they had a night shift. Yeah. Uh, I don't oh. know. I don't know what they called it. Packages, whatever. Sorting. Uh, but in the morning... Ish, I worked at Smoky Bones. So I was kind of pulling the whole oh, the whole thing again. I'm going to work here for four hours and then be off for four hours and then go here for eight hours. Yeah, and... that was a miserable time. Yeah. I will not go back to that. It was too much. And now I don't work at all. <laughs> I do work. Uh, this is work. This is also work. Yes. <laughs> this is a lot of work. We just don't get paid for it. We're not getting Yet. paid for it. Yet. Uh, yeah. Stanley Cups, we'll please see. sponsor us. I see them all the time here. There's a cabinet full of them. Shout out to you, Stanley Cups. <laughs> <laughs> Harley got me one for Christmas. I didn't know it was going to be a thing, but I, it is a great cup. It is, uh, I would not know. I'm loyal to Yeti. <laughs> I had a Yeti, and then I gave the Yeti to Dustin, because I was like, uh... I like this cup this better. Is, yeah, it's better. Okay. Anyway. All right. Um, we're going down under. You know what? Speaking of Yeti cups, I think that Miss Catherine Knight could possibly use that as a weapon if she wanted to. <laughs> she could use anything as a weapon. She, oh, yeah, she can. Oh so uh, we're going to go into a little bathroom. Ba- bathroom. Fuck. <laughs> background. We're going to go into a little bathroom. A little okay. bathroom. Okay. We're going into a little background on Catherine's mother. Barbara. Okay. I'm gonna call her Bob. Bob. <laughs> yeah. Bobby. Uh, Barb's great grandmother was actually an indigenous Australian from Maori. Mor- I think that's how you say it. Yeah. It's either Maori or Moray. If you are from Australia or if you know, let us know. <laughs> yeah. But don't be a dick about it, per usual. Uh, which is on the eastern side of the country. Um, growing up, Barbara was really proud of the fact that she had an original Australian bloodline. Unfortunately, this area became extremely racist, and their heritage became a point of contention for all of her eventual children. Oh, 
oh, okay. Neat um, that that's a thing, but also not neat that that. Yeah, I didn't know. I did not know that people were racist about current Australians living in their own country. Yeah, it's not. It not you know that definitely doesn't happen here. <laughs> yeah, never heard of such a thing. <laughs> no. But uh, now moving on to adult (laughs) Barbara's life. Okay. She was married to a man named Jack. Okay. Who was not a jack of all trades. He was a pig farmer. Ah, pig farmer. Apparently, like, pig farming is a huge thing here, and so is the uh, slaughterhouse industry. Ah, okay. Which makes sense that you would have pigs in the slaughterhouse industry in the same area. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But uh, she was also having an affair with Jack's co-worker and good friend, Ken Knight. Scandalous. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is a small town. Like, smaller than Goose Creek small town. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, the whole spituration. We're just gonna let... We're gonna leave that in there. <laughs> Start that one over. <laughs> this whole situation was pretty scandalous, and since the town was fairly conservative and small townish, uh, which is about 2,000 people. So, uh, you know what? Yeah, that is smaller than Goose Creek. Yeah. Uh, it was the talk of the town. Of course. Everyone wants that hot goss. They do want the hot goss. Okay. Um, so Barbara ended up leaving their current town of New South Wales Hunter Valley and moved. This sounds like your neighborhood. Like, but Hunter's Valley. Anyway, <laughs> and they moved to Moree. Hope that's how you say it. With Ken, which is it's like six or seven hours away. So basically they moved like to another state, essentially. Okay. So not close. I keep wanting to say Jack and Diane, but it's Jack and Barbara (laughs) had four sons together before the affair. The two oldest stayed with Jack in Hunter Valley, and the other two went to live with an aunt in Sydney. Yeah, they did not stay with Barbara. Okay. All right. Probably better off. to uh, her character. Yeah. um, I don't think any of these kids had a had a good time growing up but uh maybe the two in, with the aunt and sydney had a good time uh about Let's four hope so. i hope so about four years after barbara left old pig fama jack passed away and those two oldest sons came to live with barbara and ken <laughs> barbie and ken <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> barbie and ken oh, that's I, they were not barbie and ken um <laughs> so now entering the world is baby girl Catherine mary knight Okay. She was born October 24th, 1955, and she's actually the second born of a set of twins. She's a twin. Yeah, just like Dustin. Isn't Dustin the second one? They didn't, yes. Mm-hmm. They didn't say that in the documentary. Uh, yes, he is the middle child, as he likes to remind everyone constantly. He acts just like one, so that tracks. <laughs> yeah. He was shunned his whole life, is the thing. Oh, boy. Her <laughs> twin sister's name is Joy. Her life was not joyful. So, life's not super great. Father Ken is quite a piece of shit. He was a raging alcoholic and very violent to his wife and sexually assaulted her multiple times a day. Sometimes up to ten times a day. Oh. And he would do it in front of the children. Uh, This is Ken? This is Ken. Of Barbie and Ken? Ken of Barbie and Ken. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, It was very normal for Barbara to have black eyes and bruises all over her body, so the kids just thought that was, like, a normal thing. Uh. Like, not phased by it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barb, Barbie, she was not much better. She was very open with Catherine and her sister about their sex life and went on rants about how much she hated both men and sex. Oh. Yeah. That's healthy. Yeah. The mother-daughter relationship. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, as we'll soon learn. Oh, boy. (laughs) Catherine and her siblings were also beaten frequently with anything from electrical cords to dog leashes, and the parents would hang these whipping devices from the doorway as a threat to the children if they acted poorly, which, you know. That's 
scary. Yeah, which uh, is some foreshadowing for later. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> keep, so that fun. keep that in the back of your mind. Folks. Or the front. It's going to come soon. <laughs> yeah. uh, later on in life, Catherine speaks about being sexually abused by her half-brothers until she was about 11. Oh. Uh, but claims her father, Ken, never abused her, which I'm not sure about. Maybe she just didn't want to. I don't know. Huh. But her even brothers. Though she, or even though he was abusing her mother. Mo- mother. But didn't abuse the kids. Huh, okay. Or, well, didn't sexually abuse the kids, I should clarify. Yeah. Oh. He beat the kids, he just didn't rape them. Okay. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. But her brothers apparently raped her. Oh, that's sad. It's really sad. Um, And, like, they were only, like, four, four to six years older than her. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the details she gave about this seemed a little wishy-washy, but the doctor's who examined her thinks she really was abused based on her behavior and different family members backing her story up about it. Okay. Um, as a young person, Catherine was occasionally pleasant okay. and well-behaved, but for the most part, she was a real piece of shit, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, she had a really bad temper and would go into rages over the smallest inconveniences, especially at school. Nah, that checks out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, angsty teenager, but, like, on steroids. She attended Moleswell, Moleswell Brook. Moleswell oh, Brook? In the um, documentary, which is literally almost the only thing I remember <laughs> from this, because I watched it like a week ago, um, they pronounced it Musselbrook. Musselbrook High School. And former classmates of hers said that she was a loner and a bully and would take advantage over the smaller children and actually was found assaulting a male classmate with a weapon, which is not funny, oh. but like that tracks for her behavior. Yeah, she starts young. Yeah, but... She starts real young. But apparently when she wasn't, you know, acting like a real shithead, uh, she was actually well-behaved and earned awards at school for good behavior, which I feel like she should not have if she was bullying children. Yeah, that's weird. Okay. Mm -hmm. Catherine stated later in life uh, as well that the only person she was really close with was her twin sister, Joy, and they understood each other but often fought. Like, but not like arguments. Like beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> like knock down drag like, outs? Yeah, like knock down drag oh, outs. No. Giving each other black eyes. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, Dustin Clinton. I feel so sorry for Gaylene. Oh. Uh, I'm sure they uh, fought like cats and dogs. Yeah, probably. Especially because yeah. uh, Clinton um, is a snitch and would rat on <laughs> Dustin all the time. <laughs> That's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true, though. Yeah, like Dustin got drunk one time and was hungover and... Gaylene thought he had the flu, and she was making Clinton do yard work by himself. And he was like, "No, mom, he's, he's hung just over." Hung over. So he's she told me that story. So she like Clinton go inside, and <laughs> Dustin had to go do yard work while he's like puking in the yard and shit. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, yeah, Clinton—he's all about um justice. Justice for the little man. <laughs> yeah. Well, Catherine decides, you know, school ain't it. So she leaves at age fifteen, which oh, she is leaves school. She or leaves she school. Stops attending school. <laughs> I think it's both. Okay. I don't know how the school system works over there, but she'd just be like, yeah, peace out and gone. Huh. Which okay. is real great because she could not read or write, which is confusing to me because how can you go through, I mean, if she's 15, let's say 10 years of school yeah. and not know how to read or write. Uh, huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. But one thing she was really good at yeah. was cutting shit up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Specifically, how did she discover this? after leaving school, she started a job as a fabric cutter in a clothing factory. Oh, but this is just kind of okay. like a startup, learning how to cut shit. Okay. She later ends up getting a job at an abattoir, which is whoa, 
that was real fancy. It was real fancy. It's actually a slaughterhouse, so that's what I'm going to call it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds more uh, dangerous when you call it a sla- slaughterhouse versus an abattoir. Yeah. But yeah, she got a job there. Okay. Um. Yeah, she would... Not the ideal job. She's but... quoted... Oh, no. She's quoted saying that was her dream job. Oh. This was this bitch's Disneyland. <laughs> He wanted to work at the slaughterhouse. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so she works at the fabric cutting place for about a year, and then we're going to the slaughterhouse. All right. She excelled at this job and was quickly promoted to boning, which does not sound as fun as it is. It's removing <laughs> all the bones from a slab of meat. Oh, oh, no. And they gave her her own set of butcher knives to do this, oh. which... She loved her some butcher knives, especially her knives. That's fantastic. Yeah, you know how, okay. like, you're attached to, like, your vape. <laughs> the jewel. The yeah. jewel. The jewel. Ah, it's right here. Yep, that's how she was about her knives. Never too far away. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, she, uh, she was proud, and she would actually uh, hang them over the top of her bed so that they would always be handy if she needed them. She would... Yep, she the, would... Ha- Hey. Yeah, they're over the, over the bed. I don't think they said that in the documentary either. Uh, yeah. What? And uh, she did this in every home she lived in. Okay. So it was just a thing. And she was uh, she was real handy with those knives, we'll discover. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's one way to display your um, collection. Yeah. Hanging above the bed. Yeah. Like, okay. you know, white dudes love hanging guns and stuff in <laughs> their houses. I was going to wants to put mirrors above our Oh, bed. my God. <laughs> collection all right okay mm-hmm. yep uh she loved she loved her knife probably more than her future children so now oh yeah sorry guys she has kids oh uh so now we're going to talk about Catherine's co-worker david kellett okay Catherine met david in 1973 when they were co-workers at the slaughterhouse david had some pretty traumatic events happen in his life his best friend was killed in front of him oh he'd been involved in rescuing children from a school bus where six children died oh shit uh, which led some heavy drinking for dear yeah, old dear well, old Dave. That's traumatic. Yeah, he, so he coped with that with some some booze. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Catherine and David, uh, she she basically owned that man from the day they met. <laughs> okay. His she she had his balls <laughs> tight in those hands. <laughs> okay. If David got into an altercation, Catherine would actually do the only dutiful thing and jump in in the fight herself and whoop some ass. All right, so they're they're a tag team. Uh, yeah, but she or he actually causes it, and she kind of. I think he her. he's a drunk and like gets a little feisty and sassy when he's drunk, and okay. then when the fight would start, she would jump in and basically finish it because huh. she should she could beat some people down. Okay. She wasn't a small lady either. She was like six foot. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. She's okay. a big lady. Uh, in Aberdeen, where they lived, she was well known for offering to beat up anybody that upset her, or David. All right. Because that's how we solve our problems. So she's scary. She's terrifying. You don't want to... If I saw her on the street, with her. I would move to another state. <laughs> okay. They ended up getting married in 1974 after Catherine bullied him about it. They rolled up. And she was like, I marry you, I'm going to kick your ass. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, no. So picture this. It's a romantic okay. day. Okay. It's their wedding. They roll up on Catherine's motorcycle. Okay. Of course she has a motorcycle. <laughs> David's in tow on the back, and he's drunk as a skunk. Okay. I mean, you would have that to get pretty... That is a fun picture. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, to imagine. I feel uh, like you would have to be pretty drunk to want to marry Catherine Knight. Yeah, you'd have to be drunk constantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And during the wedding, Catherine's mother, Barb, Barbie, Barbara, <laughs> she pulled David aside and gave him some motherly advice. Okay, what'd she say? 
David states, this is a direct quote, okay. uh, the old girl, you know, Barb, said to watch, said to me, watch out. You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir- I don't know why I'm saying this in a southern accent, but it should just feel like, it feels this way. Try, wait, try an, try an Australian accent. Stop the, I don't know how to do an Australian accent. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Stir up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you. And that was her mother talking. She told me she's got something loose. She's got a screw loose somewhere. I'm like, yeah, you fucking made her that way, Barb. Yeah, that's her mother. Her mother. Later on, she actually punches her mom in the face. So I wonder why her not... mom even went to... Why was she even at the wedding? If she I guess her daughter? they are a close-knit family. Yeah, can't you tell? <laughs> that's so weird. On their wedding night, Catherine tried to strangle David. You want to know why? He only had sex with her three times. Oh no! What a crime! I know, and she knew that her mother and her step or her dad had sex five times. So why couldn't you know David put out for two more times, two more rounds? Oh, well, he's probably hammered. <laughs> that probably didn't help. Yeah, he got whiskey dick. Yeah, that's the real thing. Uh, big shocker! Their marriage was always pretty violent. I know you're just shocked. Yeah. Catherine actually hit David with a frying pan on one occasion <laughs> to the back of the head because he arrived home late from a darts competition. That's a, that's a great impromptu um, weapon. Yeah. A frying pan. Yeah. It feels like a cartoon, like where you yeah, hit, hit somebody with the... Yeah, no. And it hits and it won't uh, Newsflash, people. You should not hit real people with frying pans. <laughs> Uh, in addition to the frying pan to the back of the head, she burned all his shoes and clothes, and David, like, books it to the neighbor's house to escape. He collapsed when he got in there due to a fractured skull that his darling, darling wife gave him. Uh, from the frying pan? From the frying pan. Oh, my God. <laughs> that must have been a heavy-duty frying pan, too. <laughs> the police encouraged David to press charges, but he decided not to since Catherine was very pregnant. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, no. So she's... Super pregnant. Whips out that frying pan, knocks him in the head. And he's like, no, don't press charges. She's pregnant. And she's, she's my wife. And she's being like doting and like, oh, you know, I'll never do it again. You know, acted on her best wifely behavior. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> and that's, oh, it hasn't even escalated to the top yet. It gets worse. <laughs> get worse and worse. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, in May of 1976, David ends up leaving Catherine for another woman. Shocking. Oh, I know. <laughs> and move. I can't believe he That's had the balls. I honestly can't believe he had the balls to leave her for another woman. Like, leave her and, and like, run. I get it. But leave yeah. her for another woman? That's interesting. Yeah. So after their daughter, Melissa Ann, was born. Also, why would, David, why would you leave your child with her? Yeah. Dummy. Yeah. Um... Who's yeah, gonna... I mean, clearly she's unhinged. And then, um, and gra- a baby and, with an unhinged. Yeah, grandma ain't gonna take care of her either. She already told you that her daughter's a crazy bitch. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, David couldn't put up with Catherine's violent and jealous behavior anymore, so he's like, I gotta get the hell out of here. Okay. The next day after David left, so 24 hours, probably not even 24 hours, Catherine was going down the street with baby Melissa Ann in a stroller. Okay. And she was shaking the stroller side to side, like shaking baby syndrome side to side. Like violently? Yeah, like whipping that thing around. Just like Like Tokyo Drift stroller. Oh, shit. Oh, 
that's not good. Yeah. Um, so she was stopped and admitted to St. Elmo's Hospital, which St. Elmo's just sounds like a great hospital name. That's fun. Especially like for a children's that. hospital. It was not a children's hospital. but I wonder what she, Elmo's the saint of. Is it laughter? I hope it's laughter. You better go. Can you Google it right now? One moment. One moment, please. We have to access our friend, the Google. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, real quick. This should have been our fun fact. Um, We're just going to do it in the middle of the episode. Yeah, so Erasmus of Formia, also known as St. Elmo, was a Christian saint and martyr. He is venerated, I don't know what that means, known as the patron saint of sailors and abdominal pain. He's the patron saint of my abdominal, cramps. Ab- <laughs> my period cramps. Pain, laughter. Oh, like laughing you said. Makes sense. Who knows? Maybe that's a reach. Nah, I think it's cramps. <laughs> um but yeah, so she was admitted to St. Elmo's Hospital shortly after and was diagnosed with postpartum depression. Shocking. Uh, but, oh. <laughs> yeah. But that's you all. You don't think? Nothing else, just postpartum depression. Oh my god. Uh and Catherine spent a few weeks in there recovering and uh I'll use this term very loosely, but quote, you know, getting better. Okay. Uh, so yeah, this is wild. Uh, after Catherine was released, she took a two-month-old Melissa Ann and abandoned her on a railway line shortly before a train was coming. <sighs> and she knew the train was coming. <sighs> Just left her baby on the railroad tracks? Yep, she was trying to kill her baby. And this is after she got out of the hospital. Yeah, so, oh, you know, no. cat, uh, little baby Melissa Ann's just a couple weeks old. Aww. She's probably been home for maybe two weeks and then she's like you know what baby you're gonna get hit by a train oh my she's the worst mother ever yeah well she's we should name this episode mother person ever mother dearest (laughs) so uh yeah uh a guy known in town as old ted Oh, Ted. That's sweet. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was walking by and found Melissa and scooped her up um, a few minutes before the train was supposed to arrive. So he saved the baby's life. Oh, my God. Uh, while Ted is rescuing baby Melissa, good old Katie has stolen an axe and went into town threatening to murder several people. Uh, wait, Catherine? Yeah. Katie, Catherine. Oh, okay. Katie's short for Catherine. I was like, who the fuck's Katie? <laughs> Kate, Kate, <laughs> okay. Katie is Catherine. <laughs> Uh, so she's, um, just kind of lost. <laughs> she's, she's unhinged. <laughs> and it's, it's just going she, after random people in the street? Yeah. Um, if she wasn't, uh, you know, you know, she just has postpartum though. Totally normal. Totally normal yeah, behavior. Yeah, that's the only mental illness she has. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, dear old Catherine was taken to St. Elmo's again, uh, but signed herself out the next day. Why is that allowed? I don't know. Like, why? You shouldn't be able to check yourself this out bitch, of the mental hospital. This bitch should be in a straitjacket or in jail. Yeah. A few days go by. Catherine's getting a little antsy, you know. She hasn't raged out and, you know, tried to murder somebody with an axe in a while. Okay. Uh, so, she goes over to a previous co-worker's house from the slaughterhouse and tells her that her baby's sick and she needs to go to the hospital in Queensland. Okay. The woman was like, oh. Of course, let me help you because you have a baby and you're a single mother. So Catherine's like, you know what? I got to go to my house to get a few things from home. Can you meet me there? Lady's like, oh, yeah, of course. Well, meanwhile, this woman's a mother as well. So she packs up all her kids in the car and drives over to pick up Catherine and the baby so they can all ride to the hospital. Okay. Because she's a good mother and doesn't want to leave her children home at, you know, children. Yeah. Alone yeah, home. Kids home yeah. Woman gets there. Catherine sees all the kids and is like, whoa, this is too many kids. I'm going to have to get rid of a couple. <laughs> and proceeds to start slashing her knife through the air. And she actually cuts one of the little babies 
on the cheek. Yeah, she cuts a little girl on the cheek. What? Yeah. So now they're all getting into the car because Catherine's holding them at gunpoint. The uh, kids and the mom suggest this that is they. a coworker. Oh yeah. So she knows this lady. So I'm probably I'm gonna use it loosely again, but you know, friends. Yeah. Troy feels bad for Catherine, just thinks that she's mean and alone. Uh, but the kids and the mom convince Catherine to stop at a gas station so they can fuel up. Now, once they get there, mom and the kids hide in the office of the gas station. Well, this just pisses Catherine off. So she proceeded to pull off the blade of an industrial lawnmower to try and hack down the door to get to the family. What? How is she not jailed after this? Or is she? Well, hold on. I'll just oh. tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's horror movie shit. Like, axe murder, trying to break down a door with... (laughs) And she broke the blade off of a lawnmower? Yeah, imagine how strong you have to be. It's probably like an industrial lawnmower, too, so you have to, like, break that shit off. With your bare hands? Bare hands. (laughs) On a blade? (laughs) Just raging out. Oh my god. Oh yeah. (laughs) This is the best part. Uh, Oh, by the way, she's holding her own baby at this point. Melissa Ann? (laughs) Yep, she's holding (laughs) Melissa Ann. What a traumatic beginning to Melissa Ann's life. Oh, Melissa to this day stands by her mother and does not think she's a bad mother. What? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. We'll get to that. that. (laughs) Uh, She was eventually taken down by the police with some brooms. Brooms? Yep, brooms. You know, I mean, normal, normal brooms. What does that even mean? They just, I guess they were threatened. Yeah, I guess they hit her. (laughs) There was no clarification on this, but they took her down with some brooms. With brooms. Okay. Yeah, not a machete, which is what I would have used. Yeah. And they took her to the Morissette Psychiatric Hospital. There we go. There we go. Okay, now we're going to get some help, right? Well, uh, so Catherine tells the staff <laughs> at the hospital that she stopped at the service station to murder the mechanic. Yeah, so mom and the kids were like, hey, we should stop there, get gas. Catherine's like, you know what? I should cash my check while we're there. Okay. And then she notices that the service station is where David got his car fixed. And if that mechanic had not helped him, he wouldn't have been able to leave Catherine for the other woman in Queensland. Wow. That's logic, you know? This woman is mm-hmm. deranged. <laughs> She's going to kill a man because he fixed a car? Yeah. Basically. To, he helped her husband get away. Oh my. Yeah. Oh, that's the, some bizarre thinking. The best part of the story is when David was informed of this, he and his mother packed up and moved back to Aberdeen to care for Catherine. Why? Why, Dave? Why? Uh, Why I, go back? I think part of it is like he was maybe now scared for Melissa Ann's life, possibly. Oh, duh. Okay. Because that could make the... sense. Or like he actually cared about Catherine and thought she would kill herself if he didn't come back. I'm going to go with baby. Yeah, we're going to go with uh, he cared I, about baby. I want to go with baby, but it's probably not baby. Um, That's wild. Well, he left her with her to begin with. If you really loved your baby, That's you true. would not have left her That's with true. mother why, dearest Catherine. Yeah, why didn't he take her with her in the first place? Yeah. God damn it. Okay. So August 9th, 1976, Catherine was released in the hospital to the care of David and his mother. So she's there about four years. Or not four years. Fuck. Four months. <laughs> Four months. Yeah, she probably needed to be there for four years. She probably did. Um, yeah, so, and the happy, psychotic family moved to a suburb in Brisbane, where Catherine got another job at another slaughterhouse <laughs> called Demore Meatworks. <laughs> she can't stay away from the slaughterhouses. That's, I feel like she's probably better when she works at the slaughterhouse, because at least she's she getting... Some, like, rage out. Yeah, I like, guess. she can s- stab some cows or something. <laughs> I don't know what you do at a slaughterhouse. <laughs> she, she can stab something. 
Okay. Uh, everything's actually pretty quiet for a few years. She's probably just beating the shit out of David on on the low low. Oh, and in March of 1980, they had another daughter named Natasha Marie. What? Yep. Okay. So now they have two kids. Yep. All right. Four years later, in 1984, Catherine, I repeat, Catherine, leaves David. And oh, she left him this time. She left him this time. Okay. Uh, maybe she got tired of beating the shit out of him. Who knows? Uh, and moved out to her parents before making her way onto her own rented house. Okay. She ended up returning to work at the original slaughterhouse where she was employed originally, but she injured her back about okay. a year later and went on disability. She injured her back on purpose. Uh, since she was no longer needed the close proximity to work and she received a housing commission from the government to make it to work, she used it to buy a home in Aberdeen. Okay. So So she's going back. She's going back. Okay. Uh, about a year later in 1986, she meets a man named David Saunders. I'm going to call him Saunders for the rest of the episode. So this is Dave number two. Dave number two. Dave 2.0. Okay. We're just going to call him Saunders as to not confuse him with David Killett. So, very shortly after meeting, Saunders moved in. Saunders moved in with Catherine and her two daughters in Aberdeen. What do these men see in her? Uh, Dave I don't know. Two. I have Answer no idea. Me, Dave number two, because she looks terrifying. <laughs> if you guys look up a picture of her, she it looks does. absolutely she terrifying. Looks really scary in every picture. You know what she looks like? Uh, <laughs> the movie Matilda, the um fucking lady that. The Trunchbull? Trunch, yes, she looks like Miss Trunchbull. <laughs> oh, she's not cute. Mm-mm. Maybe she was cute, um, I don't know, as a ba- all as these a, pictures were taken. As a baby? <laughs> I don't know. But the pictures that are on the internet are not. They're bad. awful. No, they're bad. Uh, yeah, so not all was not well in paradise. Catherine continued her pattern of being violent and obsessively jealous, and she would get angry and assault Saunders with a frying pan. <laughs> What's with the frying pan? I guess it's a good weapon. I don't know. <laughs> the only weapon of opportunity. Yeah. Um, after accusing him of being with another woman when she wasn't around. Yeah. Uh, Saunders had kept his old apartment from before meeting Catherine and would often retreat here when Catherine was being cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good he had another place to go. To. Yeah. But this would end up making Catherine even more mad because she thought he was holding on to it because he was either sleeping with other women in the apartment or just in case he wanted to leave her. Uh, which... Well. Yeah. So she would kick him out and then beg him to come back. She's just not good. No. Uh, she's just not a good person. And she's obviously not good at relationships. I don't understand how these men keep getting into relationships with her. But yeah. uh, like now we're... Drama. This is... Uh, breaks my heart. This is the worst thing about true crime episodes. Uh, this is an animal abuse warning. Oh. So if you cannot handle listening to that, skip up, I don't know, 60 to 90 seconds. Yeah. Okay. In May of 1987, Catherine went as far to kill his two-month-old dingo puppy. Which, if you look up a dingo puppy, it's really cute. <gasps> to show him what would happen to him if she ever... If he ever tried to leave her. <sighs> Catherine continued her pattern of being violent and obsessively jealous. Uh, in June of 1988... She gives birth to her third daughter, Sarah. This woman has three children. Yeah, three poor children. Oh, man. And when Sarah was born, Saunders put down a down payment on a home so they could be one happy family. Oh, my. And later in 1989, Catherine ended up paying off the home when she received her workman's comp check for her bogus back injury. Oh, my God. Okay. So now they all have a house, and it's uh, Catherine and David, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they're three children. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, Catherine's choice and decor for their new home was uh, pretty pretty intense. 
Okay. She decorated the home to exactly match her personality. Okay. There was animal skulls, skins, horns, rusty animal traps, machetes, rakes, pitchforks, and more. You had me at skulls and horns. Yeah, because you got. A, I think you have a skull. I do. Yeah. Um. And then you lost me at uh, animal traps and machetes and such. Um. You don't keep a rusty pit pitchfork next I to your don't. bed. I don't. Um. Huh. That actually might make a fun little decor. Maybe like a tiny pitchfork. Yeah. That'd be cute. That'd be fun. Not a giant one to stab people with. <laughs> no. Um Yeah. And it was said that literally every single inch of the home was covered, including the ceiling. Oh, wow. Because I am a bit of a maximalist. Mm-hmm. I like all my walls covered. Um, but I, you know, I like to think of me as a, um, uh, like a com- classy designer. In comparison to Catherine, um, your your walls are bare. <laughs> That's true. Because uh, we can't, true. we also cannot forget the knives above the bed. Ah, yep. She's got to keep those knives moving. Got every just got to keep them handy. <laughs> every time she packs up and moves, she's got her knife collection. She probably does, I bet you those knives don't even go into a box. She probably keeps them right by her side at all times. Because yeah. um, you never know when you're going to need a butcher knife. Hey, you never know. Eventually, one fight becomes too many, and Catherine Saunders get into it. She hits him in the head with an iron. Ah, different weapon. Different weapon. Not a frying pan. Okay. And stabs him in the stomach with a pair of scissors. (gasps) And for whatever reason, I guess Saunders decided to move back into his own apartment. Okay. So he's going back to his own apartment, like, permanently I guess if you get stabbed, you know, that might have some harsh, like, you know, judgment. Stabbed with scissors? Yeah. Might cause some resentment in the relationship. Yeah, a little bit. When he is missing his daughter a few months later, he returns back to their home to find that all of his clothing had been cut up and shredded. While he was away, Catherine searched for him, but no one would spill his whereabouts, because snitches get stitches. (laughs) So Catherine went to the police to file an AVO, which is an apprehended violence order, against him. Shouldn't that be the other way around? It should be. (laughs) Uh, About a year later, in 1990, Catherine becomes pregnant with her fourth child, a baby boy, it's a boy this time, named Eric, by a former colleague at the slaughterhouse named John Chillingworth. Oh, so this is man number three and child number four? Yes. <laughs> oh my Yeah, we got, we got Dave, Dave 2.0, and now John. Oh my. Okay. That's uh, crazy. Yes. Catherine was actually with John Chillingham, Chillingworth, sorry, not Chillingham. John Chillingworth. John Chillingworth for three years before she left him for John 2.0. There's two Daves and two Johns. <laughs> mm-hmm. Two Daves, two Johns. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Uh, so she left him when she started an affair with John Price, a.k.a. Pricey. So now she's having the affair. Yep. Okay. So and she it's not leaves. cool if someone else has the affair, but it is cool if she has the affair. Yeah, I, I know. I, I'm glad that you're picking up what she's okay. putting down. <laughs> so she's, she basically leaves him after her affair with Price. He's going well. Uh, he was actually a really well-liked and established father of three children, and he was making really great money working in the mines. Okay. He had pretty recently separated and not fully divorced, but they were kind of working on it uh, from his former wife a few years before he began his affair with Catherine. Okay. Yeah. John ended up keeping his two older children in the custody and his youngest child, who was two at the time, stayed with their mother. Okay. Which I think makes sense. So now it's a, I mean, now it's a full house. If she's got all her kids and he's got all these kids. Super full house. Okay. Apparently John was fully aware of Catherine's violent and obsessive behavior when they began their affair. And even though they had some really awful arguments, all seemed to be going as well as it could have been. Okay. Catherine and her kids moved into John's home in 1995. All right. 
a little, um, what's the... Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch, yes. Yep, a little Brady Bunch action. Yep, so fast forward to 1998, Catherine and John got into a huge argument. Yes, Dusty Buns? Yes. Oh, honey, we're gonna come down there. We're not, we're in the middle. That's very sweet of you. That was very sweet, honey. You're so nice. Thank you, honey. You're the best, Dusty Buns. Love you, honey. (laughs) Thank you, honey. We'll be down in like 20 minutes. It'll be fine. We'll Put it in the oven. We'll heat it up. It'll be fine. Yeah. Sorry for that <laughs> delay. Dusty buns. Dustin loves to interrupt he me. He does. Whenever, A, I'm on the phone up here, um, or B, doing this. Yep. <laughs> so, we're in 1998. Catherine and John got into a huge argument when John refused to marry Catherine. Uh, and because she's so amazing at conflict resolution, she decided... She was going to be a petty bitch and shoot video of some outdated first aid kits that John had taken from a landfill at work and sent to his company. So they were literally in the trash and he was like, oh, I'm going I'm to take these. Yeah. I can use them. And he's the good guy. He's good, John. He's good, John. Oh. Well, Johnny Boy ends up getting fired from this job where he worked at for 17 years. <laughs> she is such a bitch. At least she didn't stab him, I guess. She just got him fired. Uh, yeah, I guess so. So John breaks up with Catherine and kicks her out of the house. A couple months later, John, for whatever fucking reason, decides it's time to rekindle things. But he tells her that she can't move back in. So they can start seeing each other again, but she can't move back in. They continued to fight frequently, and John lost a lot of his close friends due to them not wanting to be around him when he was with Catherine. Because yeah. she's psycho. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I get that. So naturally, because Catherine is such a loving and doting girlfriend, she and John get into a bunch of arguments leading to a little bit of assault, and she ends up stabbing John in the chest. <laughs> this uh, this ends up being like the, the, the actual last straw for John. It, well, yeah. Uh, stabbed him in the chest. I think if you stabbed Dustin in the chest, he would break up with you. Uh, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you know what? That's <laughs> true. So, he kicks her out of the house. Oh, my God. Goes to the police and gets a restraining order against Catherine that protected, using that term very loosely, um, did not protect anything. Both him and the kids. His kids, not her kids. He he goes to work after getting the restraining order from the magistrate's office, and everyone he works with can tell he's really rattled about something. And that afternoon, he tells a few co-workers that if he doesn't show up for work the next day, Catherine killed him. Oh, shit. This is also, you know, his new job, because he got fired from the last one because of Catherine. Oh, yeah. So his co-workers don't even know him that well, but they're concerned. Oh, my. Okay. So his co-workers, hearing this, tell him not to go home that night, because they know who Catherine is. It's a small town still. Yeah. And they're all scared of what's going to happen to John. But he goes home anyway, because he thinks if he's not home, Catherine will can't find him. She'll go after this the kids oh well okay all right i see the logic in that yeah john gets home and finds that his kids have been sent to a sleepover by Catherine herself uh-oh even though she wasn't <laughs> even at the home at the time so she's getting rid of the kids yeah getting the them night. out of getting the kids out of the house for the night all right uh not wanting to spend the evening alone in the house he goes to the neighbor's house and tells the neighbor if my van is still in the driveway tomorrow morning call the cops because she's done me in <laughs> Why wouldn't you just stay at the neighbor's house? He He, already knows. He fucking knew. You should just stay at the the neighbor's house. I'm not victim blaming, but stay at the neighbor's house. Yeah. He hangs out till about 11 p.m. when he returns home and goes to bed. Okay. Earlier the same day, Catherine bought some black... Oh, this is weird. Oh, yeah. Did you read ahead of this? Yeah. Earlier the same day, Catherine bought some black lingerie from a thrift store. So Yeesh. <laughs> from a thrift store. Yeah, used laundry. I don't used, think so. used lingerie. 
and videotaped herself and her kids, which I didn't watch, but I looked up some footage on the video, and it sounds like a crude kind of will, because she says stuff like, I love my children and hope to be back with them one day, and this is mine, and I'm owed all of this, and no one can take any of this from me. Like, weird shit. So she made this to be, I mean, she already knows what she's gonna do. Mm-hmm. So she made this video to, like, give to the police later. Maybe. Like, what is the th- I think she wanted the police to find this later. Okay. Oh, that's so weird. Okay. Uh, she gets to John's home later that night after he's in bed. My guy, you should have changed the locks. Yeah. She sits down on she sits down on the couch, watches a few episodes of Star Trek, normal stuff that my dad would do. <laughs> yeah, same. Takes a shower, then wakes up John for a little late night delight. Oh, okay. 6 a.m. rolls around, and John's neighbor notices his van is still in the driveway. He's like, oh shit. Oh no. John told me to... He literally just said. Yep. So, when he hadn't arrived at work, a co-worker drove to his house to check on him. When he got there, the co-worker and the neighbor were trying to bang on his bedroom window to wake him up, thinking he just overslept. But after walking around to the back of the house, they noticed some blood on the front door. So they called the police, who immediately dispatched to the home, and they arrived about 8 a.m. Oh, man. Also, why didn't you notice the blood on the front door to begin with before knocking on his bedroom window? Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. Um, I, I can't even act like I don't know where this is going. <laughs> oh, you don't know where this is going. This is so bad. The police bust oh. down the back door and are not prepared for what they see. They find a horrifying scene. Like, none of them have ever seen something this horrifying. I'm not ready for the description. <laughs> uh, oh, and uh, Kat, they've also found Catherine passed out from overdosing on a bunch of pills. Ah, okay. So she's trying to take herself out of this. Yeah. Okay. Blood evidence makes the police think that Catherine stabbed John in his sleep. He woke up, tried to escape through the front door, but was pulled back and ended up bleeding out in the hallway. That is horrific. Horror movie shit. <laughs> That is so scary. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. It's like an episode of Criminal Minds. So yeah. uh, John's autopsy revealed that he was stabbed at least 37 times. Oh, that's a lot of rage. To the front and back of his body with a butcher knife. Oh, yeah. Catherine's old friend. No, butcher not, knife. not her old friend. Her best friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with yeah. a good bit of the stab wounds hitting the organs, which like you have to stab really deep to hit internal yeah. deep organs oh yeah several hours after he had died Catherine skinned him hung the skin from a meat hook on a doorway in the home <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. uh, one police officer stated that he wasn't sure what he was looking at at first and that maybe it was a blanket so he used his hand to kind of move it out of the way and realized that it was skin and that his hand was covered in blood um I'm sure he vomited it after that. Uh, she hung his skin from the doorway. I'm not sure what's worse, that she hung his skin from the doorway or that she also decapitated him. Oh my god. And then cooked some of his body parts with a stew that she was intending to feed to John's children, which is probably why she didn't kill them. She <laughs> wanted... completely psychotic. <laughs> yeah. She actually had laid out the food in the dining room with nameplates for the kids, and they actually found another third meal, like, thrown in the backyard, which she actually probably tried to eat it herself and just, like, couldn't stomach it. Oh, man. John's head was found in a pot with the vegetables from the stew. Yeah, one of the detectives said that he didn't eat meat for, like, three months after this. Well, yeah. I probably wouldn't eat meat ever. I wouldn't eat- no. No. 
There's no going I'm back. I'm like, I love me some chicken Once nuggets. A head in the pot, there's no going back. A literal head in the pot. This there's is... no going back. <laughs> it's like some Jeffrey Dahmer shit. She then staged his remaining corpse. Uh, corpse. She staged his remaining corpse. I'm not sure if she, like, set it up or, like, laid it on the ground. But she had wrapped his left arm around a Coke bottle and crossed his legs. Just, like, to display yeah, the body? I guess so. Oh, uh, This I was later. That. This was later determined to be defilement of a corpse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, they charged her with that. Yeah. So that's the worst thing she did. Uh, she left a note on the body of John with claims that he had raped her daughter and she was going to feed his body to his own children as revenge. Did she learn how to write? I'm assuming she had to <laughs> learn eventually to fill out documents and stuff and, you know, uh, okay. spell her own name. Yeah, that's true. Okay. During the court, these claims are not corroborated by her daughters or anyone knowing John. Which, like... he was, like, a good person. Yeah, he was a good guy. And everyone in town liked him. Yeah, she was just using this as an excuse to get off of her crime. Or, like, you know, for people to feel sympathy for her. Oh, boy. Okay. Catherine left the home, took John's wallet with her, promptly visited the ATM, and withdrew $1,000. And that cash has never been found to this day. So I have no idea what she did with it. Oh, okay. Uh, she claims that she doesn't remember anything of the crime. Uh, Okay. Yeah. She initially wanted to plead guilty to manslaughter, but it was rejected by the court. Yeah, they that ain't Good. manslaughter, my girl. That's first degree murder. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. She was arraigned on the charge of murder on March 2nd, 2001. During the trial, the judge on the case, Barry O'Keefe, actually offered the 60 jurors that they had the option to be excused due to all the images that were going to be shown during the trial because they were so fucking horrific. Yeah. Only five accepted. Uh, after the witness list was read out, they lost several more due to conflict of interest because, you know, this is a small town. They probably all know Catherine. Yeah, tiny town. I'm surprised they found anybody that mm -hmm. didn't really know that whole situation. Yep. Yeah. Catherine's attorneys actually ended up speaking to the judge and changed her plea to guilty, which then released the jury pool. It's like they didn't need, they didn't need him anymore. Oh. Oh, okay. Judge O'Keefe then ordered a psyche vow to determine if Catherine understood the consequences of a guilty plea and also to determine her sanity. Okay, that checks out. Yep, totally normal things. Catherine's attorneys had the game plan to claim amnesia and dissociation for a not guilty plea, which most psychiatrists would support, but they still found her to be sane. Yeah, like she... She didn't have amnesia, and she planned this she thing. Clearly... She, made a, she made a video. <laughs> she went to the thrift store and got her some... lingerie. She went to Victoria's Secret, <laughs> Goodwill. Yeah. Uh... yeah. Yeah, clearly she knew what she was doing. Mm -hmm. Or else she couldn't have taken all those <laughs> extra steps with the body and the skin and the head and the... I think I would remember skinning somebody's body and hanging it from a hook. Yeah, it wasn't a fugue state... Mm -hmm. like, oh my god. Catherine still won't admit guilt. Even though she did make the guilty plea, she's never given a reason as to why she did that. When she had her sentencing hearings, her attorneys put in a request for her to be excused from some of the evidence being heard, but the request was denied because they thought it would be too much for Catherine to hear about this. Denied. When Dr. Timothy Lyons took the stand and described the beheading of and skinning of John, Catherine lost her absolute shit. Oh, um, she was trying to act crazy. Yeah, she was trying she to was... act insane, and she okay. had to be sedated. Okay. Good actress, I It's guess. probably good to just sedate her anyway, because she's <laughs> fucking dangerous. Yeah. On November 8th, 2001, Justice O'Keefe 
spoke about the violent nature of the crime and lack of remorse for what she did, and stated that she should require the harshest penalty and never be released from prison, which is the first time an Australian woman was sentenced to life in prison. Woo! O'Keefe said that this was to be taken so serious that he even put on her paperwork, never be released. Whoa. Yeah. Bitch ain't getting out. He's being real serious. In 2006, she tried to appeal the life sentence, claiming the punishment was too severe for the crime that was committed. No, ma'am. Yeah, that was denied. Denied. (laughs) Denied, denied, denied. The video footage of the crime scene is actually so awful that it's locked away in police custody and it's not available to the public. Yeah, uh, I believe that. Yeah. Uh, the case was also not reported to the media because the details were so horrific. Like, it was still kind of reported, but the details were left out. Yeah, they left out the, um, I mean, we know them now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not really good to put on the news that, um... <laughs> yeah, your neighbor skinned uh, her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. made him into a stew. And uh, was gonna feed him to her children. Mm-hmm. I mean, his children. Yeah. Oh, hate it. Catherine Knight was the first Australian woman to life in prison without the possibility of parole, and she is still currently residing her in her sentence at Silverwater's Women's Correctional Center. Damn. So she's still alive. She's still she's alive. Still kicking. She's still kicking and butchering. Oh. And her four kids. Oh. Wait, three kids? Four. Four kids. Because they have Melissa Ann, Sarah, kids. Natasha, and Eric. Yeah. Three different guys. Well, hopefully they are being taken care of, um, and hopefully they didn't get the psychotic traits passed down to them uh, from uh, dear dear old mom. I hope not, but like her choosing in men wasn't great either, so that ain't looking so That's great true. for them. And the last one, the good one, she didn't even have a kid with him. No, thank God. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, Gio, do you remember? Oh, and Melissa Ann still stands by her mother, says her mom was a great mom. Melissa, you are delusional. That's crazy. That's Mm -hmm. wild. Probably some Stockholm Syndrome stuff. And, like, she probably doesn't actually know how a parent is supposed to act, because that's all she ever saw. Yeah. 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 That's true. So, you know, you remember uh, Catherine's parents, Barbie and Ken? Yeah. We're going to have some Barbie and Ken facts. (gasps) Oh, that's fun. I like that. Barbie's official birthday is March 9th, 1959. Oh, we just passed her birthday. Did we? Yeah. Well, we're recording this on St. Patty's Day, but... This will probably be, really, I don't know, two weeks? Three weeks? I don't know. We need artwork. I we need know. artwork. <laughs> uh, Barbie's first outfit was her black and white striped swimsuit. Okay. Iconic. Barbie was joined by Ken, because eventually you need a man, in 1961. Of course. Yeah. She yes. couldn't make it on her own. Yeah. <laughs> Barbie has over 200 inspirational careers to include astronaut, pilot, and firefighter. Ah, okay, yeah. And finally, Barbie has a super strong social media presence, which I didn't know Barbie was, like, still a thing and that popular. It is, yeah. But she has over 14 million fans on Facebook and 1.2 million followers on Instagram. Wow. She mm-hmm. popular. She's more popular than George's Instagram. <laughs> How many followers does he have? Uh, I think a couple hundred. Really? He's popular. He's more popular than I am. <laughs> ah, and I don't even use Instagram. Although we need to make an Instagram. We do need to make an Instagram. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I don't I don't know how to do it, but we'll figure well, it we out. We got together. it. Uh well, Alex uh hated that. You're welcome. Thank you. I picked <laughs> this one out just for you because it sounded like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it sounded like something I'd be into. Um yeah, it was horrible and um now we're gonna go eat our fish and chips. Yep. 
Fish and chips. Um, oh, and oh, churros. No, it's British. Yeah, fish and chips is British. <laughs> I was going to say, that's where we're at. Um, that Dustin brought home and churros from the chicken place next door. And we might record another one. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. All oh. right. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Don't murder anybody with a butcher knife. <laughs> and don't hang them above your bed. I mean, <laughs> that's what, that's what that will float your boat. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Murder. Episodes are written and edited by Alex Lewis and Scarlett Hibden. Our intro and outro music is written and played by Derek Branton. Our cover art is by the lovely Lauren Walker. And our name was created by the most wonderful, supportive, and super hot boyfriend, Dustin Branton. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas, you can reach us at hashtag murderpod at gmail.com. That's H-A-S-H-T-A-G murderpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell all of your friends about us. Thanks. Bye.